Hello and welcome to the Art of Communication podcast with me, Robin Kermode. Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, visit robinkermode.com. Hello, this is Sian Hansen, and welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. I'm here with Robin Kermode. Hello. This podcast is called Instant Connection. Why don't we first look at connection? What is that to you? When we say we want to connect with another human being, what we're really saying is we want them to connect with us. And that means we have to be firstly in a relaxed state ourselves, a state that puts them at ease. Mm -hmm. And then we want them to be at ease with us. So they choose to connect with us. Mm -hmm. If, for example, we go to a party and we come back and we say, I connected with that person. I had a real connection with that person. Mm -hmm. What it often means is I had something in common with that person. Right. Now, it could be a background in common, it could be a job in common, or it could even be an outlook or even a shared experience in common. It could be a human experience and has nothing to do with culture, class, background, anything like that. It's just it's a mm. human connection, some shared experience. So one of the easiest ways to have instant connection with somebody is to find a shared experience with them. Right, and you do that by conversation, just exploring. Yes, and actually actively looking for something mm. rather than hoping that maybe we connect. We can say, okay, what are the ingredients to try to increase the chances of us connecting properly. Why does this matter? Why does it matter that in every given situation in our lives that we connect with somebody? I mean, we're all rushing around. Well, it's a very good question. Why does it matter? And Mm. should we try to connect with everybody? Mm. The answer is, no, we don't have to connect with anybody if we don't want to. We can live a hermit's life and we can do that. In business, we have to connect with people. And if we have a family, we have to connect with them. The better at it we are, the easier life is, funnily enough. Mm -hmm. So that if we are generally open-hearted and generally want to connect with people, then Mm -hmm. they're more likely to want to connect with us. Mm -hmm. And it's necessary just for society to work that people do that. Mm. Tell us more in depth about what it means to make an instant connection in a business meeting. Well, one of the reasons that instant connection is useful in business often is because business meetings are quite short. Sometimes you don't have time to build up a rapport. Now, obviously, over time, if you have a relationship with somebody over many years, of course, you build that relationship and you probably then get to know some of the personal things like their family and their likes and holidays and these kind of things. So the quicker you can have the connection, the quicker you can get on to learn other stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So that's why I think instant is helpful. So what do we do to create that instant connection? You've spoken about how you've got to, well, I think, like each other. Yes, and of course, you're not going to like everybody in the same way that they're not going to like you. That's just, that's how Mm. life is. But of course, the other thing about instant connection is that it doesn't take anybody very long to decide if they like somebody. It's almost an animal response. And it takes less than five seconds to decide instantly. It's not that you can't turn that around, but the moment you see somebody, you think, ah, yeah, I think they're that kind of person. And you make instant judgments. There's a wonderful book by Malcolm Gladwell called Mm. Blink. Mm. You've read Blink. And it's about how we make judgments in the blink of an eye. And if anyone listening hasn't read it, it's a really good book. Malcolm Gladwell proves that the judgment we make, what he calls the blink judgment, the instant judgment, is often more accurate than the judgment we make if we spend 20 minutes with somebody. So often our gut instinct is the right one. So how do we show somebody who we are in that first two or three seconds so that they make the right gut judgment of us and therefore we have a quicker instant connection. So is that a combination of what you say, how you sit, how you present yourself? 
It is. It's what I call how you show up. And I run workshops on this in companies, how mm. you show up, how you walk in the door, how you shake someone's hand, how you say hello. Actually, it's not the kind of NLP stuff, which is a bit prescriptive. It's more about the attitude behind it. So what is your attitude towards the other person? If your attitude is you're open and you want to try and connect with them and you ask them a question and they listen to the answer, then that's the kind of person that will build a quicker instant connection. Right. And so therefore we can learn to be aware of our attitude and to be cognizant of our attitude and that will help us hugely. So where is listening in this? We talk about an instant connection. Where is listening? Well, listening is hugely valuable because... If you don't listen, you're on transmit. And if you transmit, you can't listen. We all know people who, when you meet them, all they do is talk about themselves. They just talk about themselves straight away. They need to big themselves up. There's some sense in them that they need to do this. What a lot of people do is they get competitive. Somebody will big themselves up and they feel they then have to justify themselves. So they say, well, I'm also quite important and I also do this. Oh, I've been in meetings like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And when two or more people are each trying to outdo each other, nobody's listening. So listening is the first thing. And being open. I find that very engaging and compelling, what you're saying about being open. If you're sitting in a meeting with three or four other people, how do you demonstrate an instant connection and being open? Is that with a genuine smile, a shake of the hands and say, thank you for having me here? What is it that establishes almost immediately that you're willing to hear what they have to say? Absolutely right. It is all those things. And it's the attitude behind all that, which is, I actually want to listen. Here's a good example. You've bought one of those self-assembly tables from a store that we probably all know right. what we're talking about. And you take the table home, you put it all together, and you try to work out from the plan how it all fits together. And right at the end, you find there's one little bit missing, and now the table is wonky. So you have to drive back I don't know, half an hour, an hour, whatever, to get to the store. You then stand in the returns queue. And by the time you get there, you're quite wound up because the whole thing has taken much longer than it should have done. And the temptation for the person behind the desk is to say, no, that's no problem. Here's the spare piece. And you say, no, there is a problem because I've had to wait in the queue. I've had to drive. So what we need is somebody behind the desk there to listen to them. The first thing is to listen. They have to go, I'm so sorry, that must be so frustrating. And sympathize. One of the things they're taught to do, of course, is to repeat back what they've heard. So one of the quickest ways to have instant connection is to repeat back what you've heard. Is that like the royal family? I've heard that the royal family is trained to take the last word of what you've just said to them and turn it into a question. Well, this is apocryphal and probably is true. And it makes total sense, of course, because if you're meeting as many people as the Queen does, and she is the absolute example about instant connection, mm. because people meet someone like the Queen, it's probably the one chance they have in their life. They're going to remember everything that happened in that four or five seconds for the rest yeah. of their life. They're yeah. going to tell their friends, their children, their yeah. grandchildren about it. The Queen, of course, has long since forgotten about it because she's moved on to other people. But she shows that she's listening. Someone will say to her, Mom, this is such and such, and they run a company making umbrellas and all she has to do is say umbrellas <laughs> and of course it shows that she's listening and then they go well, yes we made this company we've been going a long time and whatever and we've perfected a class but she's ah a class but interesting <laughs> and so it goes on <laughs> i'd like to go back to what you were saying before where in a blink of an eye we make some judgments about the other person and mm -hmm. we may be judging whether we have any shared interests with them at all or whether this meeting is even going to be a success. This is in an interview situation. This is in maybe where you're meeting new colleagues. Whatever it may be, you've made a quick judgment, but you mentioned you could turn it round. What are the techniques to turn it round if there is tension in the air when you first meet? That's a really good point. 
When I first started coaching, I had to learn a new skill set because in my previous life as an actor, for many years, I had an agent. And of course, the agent set up the meeting and this was all done for you. When I started my own business, I had to learn this thing of going into a company and establishing instant connection with them because maybe I had only half an hour meeting with them and I had to somehow get them to buy into what I was offering them. And I found that some meetings went well and some didn't go well, which is very frustrating. And I analyzed what was happening. And what was happening was I was going in doing the same thing to everybody. In other words, I didn't adapt well enough in the early days. So I went in with what I thought was a nice energy, a nice positivity. I was good at listening and all these things, but I was doing the same thing to everybody. And I realized there are broadly three different group types of people. And what I've developed over the years is a very simple system based on the zones. My company, as you know, is called Zone 2, because I think we have three zones of communication, Zone 1, Zone 2, Zone 3. There's much more detail about this in my book, and obviously you can read that if you want to read more. But what I now do is I work out where the communication zone is of the other person or people around the table, and I adapt my behavior very slightly. Oh, that's so intriguing. Mm. And do you find that people react well? Yes. Because you put yourself in a different zone depending on where they are. Where they are. But what I used to do is I used to come out thinking, yes, that meeting went well because they were nice, they were friendly. If I was in the same zone as them, it generally worked. And if I processed information in the same way, if I had the same sense of humor, these kind of things, the same energy levels... But of course, people have many different types of energy levels. They have different types of sense of humor. They have different ways of connecting. And what we have to do if you want to have instant connection is we have to read which of the three zones they're in and therefore adapt our behavior accordingly. I wondered if you ever advise clients to do research on the people you're about to meet. Is that a good thing? I think research is brilliant because, like we've said in other podcasts, the more intel you have, the better. You don't have to splurge it all out. For example, if I know that the person I'm meeting had studied engineering at university many years ago, I can throw in at some point, of course, as an engineer, you would know. And of course, that Without does, looking too creepy. It doesn't look too... No, because of course, most people now will look you up before they meet you. It would look creepy if you met them at a party. and you'd already looked them up you looked up all the guests but at a business meeting they've taken the meeting because they want to meet you and they will have done some research on you they will have looked at your background and you Mm. will have looked at their background and actually it saves a lot of time so this instant connection can actually be quick enough so what we have to do is to find some common ground between the two of us but if you do some research that can help veering away from the context of business and moving back into the personal I think a lot of what you're saying might be interesting for people who are dating at any time in their life, because you talk a lot about, We've all been there. <laughs> about instant connection. So I'm sure we'll do a podcast on first dates and how to make a best impression. Mm-hmm. But in this context of instant connection, what would you say about a first date? Just really briefly. A first date. That's so long ago. <laughs> a first date. We've all been in this situation where you're in a restaurant and you look across and you can see a couple on a first date. It's fairly obvious from their body language. You don't need to be a body language expert to know that. I mean, the number of times that I've looked across and I've wanted to go over to the man and I've wanted to say, just pay the bill. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. She's just not that into you, whatever the name <laughs> of that film is. She's just not that into you or and vice versa. I think what happens often is that rather like in a networking event, we'll do another podcast about networking because that's a really interesting area. I think people feel they have to big themselves up rather like one of those lonely hearts ads, Mm. you know, where you feel you have to big yourself up. Yeah. What you can't say is I feel lonely 
because you look a bit of a loser, which is actually the reason you're going there. But you can't say that. So what mm -hmm. you do is you end up saying, I'm amazing, I'm amazing. The biggest thing I would say to anyone going on a first date is what we said right at the start of this podcast is listen. Ask a question and listen to the answer. If you actually listen to the answer, it makes the other person feel that you want to listen to what they have to say. It's not rocket science. If we develop this sense of being open and friendly, life is easier. And I often say to people, if you go through life making other people feel special, life is actually quite easy. One of the simple things is just to say hello, look people in the eye, say thank you. It doesn't have to be a massive connection with them. We're not going to, every time we pay for the groceries, we're not going to say, you know, are you going anywhere on holiday this year and do you have a large family? We're not going to have that kind of conversation no. with them because it's not appropriate. But on the other hand, we can still, just with a little flash of humanity, looking somebody in the eye and saying, thank you, and they will pick it up. So I'm sure you're going to meet a lot of people who maybe would like to follow up with you, engage with you, you know, in, in any sense. Where do you draw the line? Well, I think it's really about having clear boundaries because there are people, like we, we said earlier on, who will ask for help, will ask for advice. And maybe you're not in a position to be able to do that because of your time pressure and all sorts of reasons. So it's about having very clear boundaries so people know where they are. Mm -hmm. So you're not offering something you can't fulfill. Do you remember when you were at school, there were some teachers who had really clear boundaries. You knew where you were with them. So, for example, they could be very strict, they could be very funny or very irreverent. It didn't really matter, but you knew where you were. The teachers that I found difficult at school and I found unjust at school were those that laughed with you one day for doing something and the following day punished you for doing exactly the same thing. The boundaries weren't clear. I didn't Ooh, know where I'm you were with I'm familiar with that. Yes, you're right. You're and some right. bosses are like that as well. It's but if, if we're talking about instant connection, mm -hmm. but you're also saying there's clear boundaries... That's a little complicated. This It sounds like one or the other, but it's not. It does sound like two different things. When we choose to connect, we will connect. In other words, if we want to have a connection, it has to start with us. So we have to choose to shine our light, as it were. It's almost like we have a candle. We're choosing to share this mm. candle, this light. But there are times when you're just tired, and that's fine. Mm. But I would say that from my own personal experience... On the days that I don't feel like connecting, on the days that I just can't be bothered, I can turn the day around if I choose to just be a little bit more open and I think, okay, the next person I meet, I'm just going to look them in the eye and say hello. And that can turn it around. So for me, the day gets better if I connect. I have a better day if I connect with people than if I don't. So actually, it's self-serving in a way. You know, it's a win-win. That sounds incredibly elegant. And I'm sure in everyday life, it gets a little bit more complicated than that. But if we boil down to the essence of what you're saying, connections with other human beings matter because they bring happiness to our lives when you connect with another human being. And in the business context, they're more likely to trust us and like us. And this isn't about, look at me, please like me. That's not the kind of connectedness we're talking about, is it? Exactly. But if you need boundaries... You set them. But also the word need is very interesting, what you just said then. If you need to be liked, then it becomes weird. Then it's a codependent relationship. Right. So if you need approval, if you're desperate to seek connection, it doesn't work. So this instant connection, this openness has to be given freely. From your own well of confidence. Yes. There was a very good description I was given years ago, which is if you imagine your, your soul, your heart, as it were, is like a vessel. And if you fill it up with love, with openness, with kindness, whatever words you choose, what happens is you keep filling this vessel up. And then, of course, the vessel at some point overflows. What you do is you give the overflow completely freely. You don't expect anything in return. It's not, I love you if you love me back. 
<laughs> which is codependent. It's just, I give you this because I have enough of it. And if you keep filling up the vessel by connecting with other people, which is the quickest way to fill it up, you will always have excess and then you can give the excess away without needing anything in return. That's a good place to finish. Robin, yet again, a refreshing and stimulating conversation. Thank you so much. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, visit robinkermer.com. <laughs>